Hey, what's up, guys? This is Pastor Austin from Good Shepherd Church, and this is our podcast. So happy you're tuning in this week to stay caught up on what the Lord's doing in us and through us. I hope this content encourages you. I hope it challenges you, builds up your love for Jesus. Hope you enjoy the message. We love you. We're in this series that we're calling Body and Blood. And it's a series on communion, on the topic of communion. And right now, I guess we're doing a best way to describe it would be a mini series within the series on prayer. And so uh, just felt compelled uh, last couple of weeks. Man, we got to really, if we're going to talk about union with Christ, if we're going to talk about this relationship that we can have with him, then we have to, have to, have to talk about prayer. And so, you know, like last week, I, I really crawled into the secret place and just got alone with the Lord and asked for this, this deep, insight, like this profound revelation. And I got one and I delivered that to you all last week. And I know it was, it was intense and it was amazing. And it was just as, it was that you can pray, right? So, I mean, it's just spent all this time with the Lord and in scripture and wrestled around. And it was just like, no, you know what actually turns out you can pray. You, 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 like you yourself can pray, right? And it was just awesome. It was awesome. I actually have a couple of testimonies from this last week. Um, one of my buddies who was, in, uh, who was in the service last week, him and his wife, uh, were sitting there and side by side. And we left this time at the end of the service last week just to say, hey, take a minute and you pray. At, seek the Lord. Clear your mind. See if anything kind of happens in your brain. And uh, he sat there and he, he got this old buddy's name that just popped into his head. And uh, he was like, okay, that's weird. I haven't seen him in a little while. I guess I'll follow up, reach out. And, and sitting right next to him, his wife uh, got this picture of a baby that they lost to miscarriage. And they lost that baby at 18 weeks. They call, uh, they call her Peanut. And, um, and, and, and they, she got the, the picture of the sonogram, that picture of the 18-week sonogram popped into her mind. And uh, I asked, like, you know, I was like, hey, did anyone get anything? And neither one of them raised their hand. <laughs> Come on now. And... Uh, then they went, they went home and they started talking to it on the, on, on the drive home. And he was telling me this this week that they were like, well, you know, what happened? Did you, you're praying, did you get anything? And he goes, yeah, I, I thought of this guy, you know, this guy, I remember him from high school, whatever, you know, I haven't talked to him in a while. And, and she's like, man, I got this picture of our, of our baby, that 18 week sonogram. You remember it? Yeah, yeah, you know. And so he reaches out to his buddy from high school and turns out his, his buddy um, uh, that he hasn't talked to in over a year, hasn't seen any updates or anything like that on social media. Uh, they're pregnant. Guess how pregnant they are? 18 weeks pregnant, right? And so uh, guess what happens next? Like, I wish I could just say like, oh man, and then the whole family got saved. They all got baptized. You know, they're just walking with the Lord now. And you know, that's not the story yet. But, but man, if, you know, if anyone could give that guy a heads up, like the Lord's after him, you know what I'm saying? Like call that dude's buddy. And it's just like, dude, I think Jesus wants to talk with you. Like, I think he's got some things to say, you know? And then, uh, man, I was talking to this other young guy, um, him, him and his fiance. And, and we were talking this week and, and, just going, hey, how was that? How was that prayer time? He actually initiated with me. He said, hey, thanks for that prayer time. Uh, he's, a, he's a younger believer, newer to his faith. And he just goes, I've, I've never heard prayer explained like that before. And, and like, you know what's crazy? It works. Like I've been praying all week. Like I've been just sitting in my truck before I go into work and I've been praying and God's been speaking things to me. And I'm just like, come on. Like that is what we're after here. You know what I'm saying? Like that's like, you can pray. And so I just, quick follow-up, you don't have to raise your hand right now. I almost raised my hand, which would indicate that you should follow me in raising your hand, but I don't want to see your hands, just to be clear. Did you pray last week? Did you pray? Were you challenged, compelled? Were you stirred up for prayer? I hope you were. I hope you were. And even if not, like, man, it's, it's never too late. It's never too late to start praying. Um, I love this quote from Charles Spurgeon. He says, uh, prayer is art only the Holy Spirit can teach you. Prayer is art only the Holy Spirit can teach you. 
And I, as I think about that verse, um, I think about myself and uh, my artistic capacity, right? So, I mean, like, Steph Hewitson, she does all the design stuff around here. She makes everything just look more beautiful, you know. And, um, you know, if you set me in a room with a box of crayons and a piece of paper, and then if you set her in the same room with the same crayons and the same paper, you could, you could give me a lifetime, and I don't think I would come up with some of the stuff that she would draw. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, art is just that way. Some of you that are like me, you know, like, you're just like, man, I, mean stig figure, maybe, you know. And, and, and so I love that. I love that way that it's communicated. Prayer is art. Only the Holy Spirit can teach you. Meaning that like, I, I love teaching. I love teaching. Um, I think teaching inspires us. I think teaching can compel us or can motivate us. Um, I think teaching is important because it grounds us in what is actually true. But man, if you want to know how to pray, do you know how you're going to learn? By praying. Like by you praying. Uh, like we, listen, I know it's kind of silly. We could teach on it for the next five years. But if you never take the step to get alone with the Lord and even cry out to him to go, God, I have no idea what I'm doing right now, then you're not going to learn how to pray. And so my encouragement and my just, my begging thing for you to consider, especially as we're doing this fast together as a church, and maybe you're not even fasting with us, but I just would beg you to consider, would you pray? Would you just ask, seek, knock, keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking, keep on banging on the doors of heaven going, Jesus, I know you're up there. Would you please talk to me? Because prayer is communicating with God and that's available to you as a believer. Amen? Amen. So, uh, you know, this profound revelation last week that you can pray. So I wanted to follow it up this week with an equally profound revelation from the Lord. And so today what we're going to be talking about is that we can pray. You know, how do you follow up? You can pray. Well, with the fact that we can pray together. We can pray out loud together. Did you guys know that? It's incredible. It's amazing. And it's so intimidating for people. And it's so overwhelming. And a lot of people I know don't pray out loud in front of other people. They're reluctant to pray out loud. Maybe you feel like your prayer isn't profound enough for you to pray out loud in front of other people. Maybe you feel like you don't have enough scripture tucked into your heart that you're scared that you're going to pray the wrong thing in a moment. So you don't pray out loud with other people. Maybe you're just worried that, you know, you're not going to sound very smart. You're not as eloquent of speech. And so you're reluctant to pray in front of other people. And in the, what I want to do with today's time is I just want to urge us to consider that, that we as the church are called to be a place that would pray together, that we would, that we would be a house of prayer, as Jesus calls it, right? Um, we just prayed for or Brady Boyd, right? One of our overseers. I love that we pray for a church um, every, every Sunday. We pray for another local church or a church, church that we're connected with in some way. And Brady was doing his, his vision Sunday for the church uh, just last weekend or a couple weekends ago. And he said, uh, there are churches that pray and then there are praying churches and the two are not the same. I thought that was really compelling. But there are churches that pray, as in, you know, we can pray on, and, and I love, like I said, I love that we pray for another local church. I love that we have time where we'll pray in a service. But, but churches that pray on a Sunday morning and praying churches, as in people who are filled with, compelled with prayer, that's not the same thing necessarily. And it's really, I mean, he put language to kind of the phrase that's been on my heart uh, for this fast is going, God, is our church a praying church? Are we? A lot of people that I don't know in this church, God, are we, are we a church that contends in the quiet place for more of you? I don't know. And I don't say that in some shame-filled way or some guilt-ridden way. Like, that's not, that's not my goal at all. I just literally, I'm curious. Are we a praying church? Because I hope we are. I hope we are. Um, prayer is one of those things that, like, I, I wonder if we're reluctant to pray out loud sometimes because we feel like we should be further along than we really are. 
Somehow I think prayer uh, is understood as this thing that you just sort of unlock once you become a Christian. Oh, well, you know, I just didn't have that gear. And I think in some ways, like, yeah, we talked about it being a sixth sense last week. Um, We're talking about it being art that only the Holy Spirit can teach you. Like, yeah, prayer, I believe, is a gift that sort of, it's given to you. But every other gift that's given to you that we would talk about in Scripture by the Holy Spirit, um, because by the way, every single person in this room is gifted uniquely by the Spirit of God to fulfill His work in this world that we're living in. Right? So, I mean, that's all of us. Every single person in this room is the body of Christ. And I think prayer is like one of those gifts. As in, when you start praying, um, you aren't just automatically like, oh, you know what? I, I was a non-believer yesterday. I'm a prayer warrior today. Like it doesn't just change. But as you endeavor in it, first starting in the quiet place in your own heart, begging God to reveal more of himself to you, talking to him, asking to hear his voice. As you begin to do that, I think the next place to go after we've prayed alone is to pray with one another. Because listen, like if we can't pray together as Christians who believe something weird, where are we ever going to pray then if we can't do that? You realize the profound statement, the weird statement is that I believe I can communicate with God. So I believe that. I believe I can communicate with God. That, that's alarmingly weird to say to people who don't believe in Jesus, isn't it? But how also alarmingly weird is it for people who say, I believe I can communicate with God. And, and you know, the person across from you says, I also believe I can communicate with God. And then it's like, well, should we ever do that together? No, I don't. That would be weird. <laughs> no, no, no. The weird statement is saying that you can communicate with God. Doing it together then just becomes profoundly normal after that, right? And so, um, I, like, I as I look back on kind of the journey the Lord's taken me on over the last, you know, 12 plus years of my life, um, like I I think I, I, I used to, and and maybe some of you would have this shared experience if you didn't kind of grow up in Christian circles. And if you made the decision to follow Jesus a little later in life, uh, because I didn't really make that decision until high school or even just really post high school is when it got serious for me. Um, But the guys that I like ran with back in high school, if they were to see me now, and, and, and just recently, I actually did a funeral for one of my high school buddies' dads, right? And uh, they, all, they all came here, like a bunch of these guys that I haven't seen for like 10 years, you know? They just come in here, and uh, one of my friends, like we were, we were super close when we were younger, um, like inseparable when we were younger. And it, like we're talking out there in the hallway, and we're at this funeral. He knows I'm going to speak. He knows I'm going to pray. He knows I'm the pastor here. And like it was just, it was, it was the most uncomfortable I've ever seen another human, I think ever, as he just goes like, so you're a man of the Lord now. And I'm just like, what, what, what do you mean? Like, what did you, what are you even saying? Like, yeah, I'm, I'm a pastor here. I'm following Jesus. Like it, I don't know why it was so uncomfortable for him to say that, but I think part of what it was is that like, I'm, I'm just a different person than I used to be, right? This is kind of what I'm saying. And, and for those guys, as they look into my life, it's like, well, dude, you used to be the idiot guy we would do donuts with and throw snowballs at cars with. And like, like what, what happened to you? Now you can do funeral messages and you can talk in front of all these people and you can pray out loud in front of all these people. Like you just flipped a switch and changed. And I would say, no, 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 no. That's not it at all. That's not it at all. Like I made a decision to submit my life to Christ 12 years ago. That immediately changed where I was going for forever, but it didn't immediately change who I was in, the mo- in any given moment. But what I started doing was I started getting in groups of people. My, my, college, my college group when we were 18, 20 years old, Emerge is what we called it. And we met here every week. And, and listen, like, like we still have booklets of prayers that have been answered that we prayed 12 years ago. 
And that's where I cut my teeth in prayer. That's where I learned how to pray. Was with a group of small, like a small group of other people who were like-minded in the way that they thought. You flash forward a little bit. I'm in the Zwickles small group with my wife. And we're going, I'm in the Vincent small group. We're, we're in the Terrell small group, the, Nero, the Neville small group. And in all this time, I'm just in different small groups of people learning how to pray with other Christians. And when you sit around and you start praying with other Christians, you start going like, it's inspiring. You start realizing what other people are going through. And all the while, if you're praying on your own, I want to keep coming back to that. You have to be praying on your own. But then as you grow that gift of prayer, as you're praying with other people, man, you just begin to change as a person. And the question that I had on my heart for this message to ask all of you today is, who are you becoming? Have you ever stopped to think about that for just a little bit? Who are you becoming? I'm not trying to preach a message to you to have a bunch of energy for this next week to be back next weekend. With this question, I'm trying to make you go, who are you going to be in 10 years? And what small decisions are you going to make right now that's going to impact you 10 years from now? The main thing that's going to make you a different person in 10 years is your prayer life. And so during this time, during this 21 days, I think you can endeavor to pray more on your own and it will, it will slowly just start to shift who you are going to become, right? That's also why one of the important things is that you, man, as soon as you become a Christian, you got to, you got to get around other people who think like you, who act like you. I'm not saying you can't have non-believing friends, but show me your friends and I'll show you your future. That's the idiom, right? Like you will look like the people you run with. And so like, yeah, sure, have some non-believing friends, but get with some Christian friends that you can just sit down and you can go, I don't know how to pray. And maybe they're an awesome prayer or maybe they're going to look right back at you and they're going to be like, me neither. Let's try together, you know? Who knows? But you got to have some people who are willing to get into that space with you so that you can grow because prayer will change you. Prayer will change you. And as you start praying on your own, the thing that I think the next space that you got to go to is starting to pray with other Christians, other believers. And so the way I like to preach is I like to kind of grab hold of a verse, a passage of scripture, and I like to go, okay, God, what does this passage of scripture mean? I'm not trying to say, what do I want it to say? You know, I'm trying to fight the tendency to go like, what do I want to talk about? But I'm going like, no, this passage of scripture, what does it mean? And then from there, I want to go, okay, how do we take what it means and apply it to our life today, right? Some of you are like, I don't, I don't really care about that. And I'm just like, well, okay, that's, that's just how I approach preaching, okay? Um, so I was like, okay, where is the passage of scripture that talks about corporate prayer? And, and I couldn't pick one because there are so many. So we're just going to run through a little bit of a list here and the references are on there. I, I intentionally am not reading, I'm not showing you all of the passages uh, because my, my goodness, like it would be the worst thing probably if you just took a picture of this and read them on your own later, right? Just dropping hints here today. Second Chronicles 7.14, Old Testament, the people of God, you know this verse, you've prayed this verse probably if you've been around a Christian long enough, if you've been a Christian long enough. If my people, plural, if my people, it's not a singular activity. Salvation is, it is a significant moment for a person, but it's, it's more than just what it does for a person. It, like salvation calls you into a people. If my people, plural, who are called by my name, humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Notice how um, I think you have, a lot of, you have a lot of Christians right now trying to get America to come back to the church. And I think this passage shows us that God is trying to get the church to come back to humility and prayer. Do I need to say that again? 
I think what God is showing us in this verse is that he's trying to get the church to come back to humility if my people humble themselves. And he's trying to get us to come back to prayer. They humble themselves and pray. Then I will heal their land. Then I will hear from heaven. His people collectively together. Second Chronicles 20. You have the story, uh, it's about to be this nightmare for Judah where they have all the bad ites that are coming against them. The Moabites, the Ammonites, the Cellulites, they're all coming down on them. (laughs) Glad to hear you're still with me, okay? Some of you will get it later, it's okay. (laughs) Then Jehoshaphat was afraid. Jehoshaphat, the king, was afraid and he set his face to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all of Judah, the nation, Judah. And Judah, the nation, the people of God, assembled to seek help from the Lord. From all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. Uh, So there's this crisis that they know is happening and their response is to fast and to pray. What would it look like in America today if the next time a George Floyd happens, if the next time an insurrection happens, if the next time uh, a shutdown happens, if the church's response was known to be fasting and prayer rather than outrage on Instagram? Do you know what I mean? Like this to me seems to be the template that the church has followed for thousands of years is that we're prayer Pray first, people. We're pray first, people. We come and we, and we humble ourselves and we seek the Lord and we go, God, what are you doing? What do you want me to do? Fasting and prayer. We'll go New Testament. Jesus, Matthew 18, 19 and 20. Jesus just says very blatantly, where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. Uh, it's, I don't think that prayer is more powerful necessarily when you're praying in a group of people, but there is something specific and special about when brothers dwell in unity, their God commands his blessing. And so when we come together and we align our hearts to, to saying, God, what do you want to do in this moment? There's something profound that happens there. Matthew 21, 13, he said to them, it is written that my house, my church, he's in the temple. My house shall be a house of prayer but you make it a den of robbers. Matthew 21, 13, the heading for this passage of scripture in your New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John is called Jesus cleansing the temple. And what's super interesting about this story is that uh, John puts it in a different place in the timeline than Matthew, Mark, and Luke. John puts it at the, at the very early beginnings of Jesus's ministry, whereas Matthew, Mark, and Luke put it at the end of Jesus's ministry. So what's happening there? Well, either one of two things, either it happened twice, which is significant. If Jesus goes and he cleanses the temple and he says, you're making this place, not what I meant for it to be. And it's called to be, my house is meant to be called a house of prayer. If Jesus did that twice, that's significant, isn't it? It's either that or the fact that John rewrites it in the timeline for significance sake. That wouldn't be out of the question for him to put this early on to emphasize its importance, which would also make it significant. Church can be about a lot of different things. Church can be uh, like, we can do a lot of different fun things here, but hopefully if you were to take somebody from our town who didn't know Jesus and you brought them in here and you sat them down next to you for a little bit, maybe they would go at the end of the service, man, you know what? I didn't understand a lot what was going on, but you guys pray. Like you guys, you guys seem to really know how to communicate with Jesus, right? Is the church known for being a house of prayer or is it known for something else? Okay, we'll get off of what Jesus said just to show you that it keeps going throughout the New Testament. Acts 2.1, all my charismatics in the room, holla at your boy. Um, Acts 2.1, the day of Pentecost arrived. What happened at the day of Pentecost was the Holy Spirit broke loose in the church, Right? 
And, and every, every charismatic loves the day of Pentecost. But what's happening at Pentecost simultaneously is the Holy Spirit breaking out is that, and when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, seeking after one thing. It was brothers, sisters dwelling in unity after the crucifixion, after the resurrection, going, what are we going to do now? And they gather together and they get in a room and they're seeking after God. Acts 2.42, this is the New Testament church blueprint. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. So the New Testament church, man, not overtly flashy, didn't do a ton of different stuff, but they listened to the apostles' teaching. They got together and they fellowshiped with one another. They shared life. They did life with one another. They ate together. Come on, somebody, at the end of this fast, I'm ready to just eat with my people. And they prayed. And they prayed together. Acts 12, 5, New Testament church, Peter has been imprisoned. This is a moment where you would probably freak out because one of the early church leaders has just been imprisoned. He's probably going to be put to death. It's probably like not good things that are going to happen for Peter. What's the church's response? To gather together and to pray. But earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. Hebrews chapter 10, I always think of Hebrews and this passage being the, the, the charge, the command, the invitation that you, by the power of God, by, because of the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus Christ, because of the power of the Holy Spirit, you as the believer have the confidence and the boldness to draw near into the presence of God. And that's an amazing, amazing statement. And I think I've so often taught this from an individualistic perspective hey, you have the ability to go to God. You have the ability to enter into the throne room. You should have the boldness to approach Jesus because you have been washed by his payment for your sin. So you can step into that moment. But listen to all the plural language in this passage. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh, And since we have a great priest over the house of God, over the church, the people of God, plural, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast, fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful and let us Consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Let us enter in together. Let us chase after it together. I think there's a lot of very beautiful and innovative things that happen in the church because of COVID, really. I mean, a lot of us had to pivot and we had to make church available online and, and there's churches that are popping up online campuses. And I do think it's, I think it's a good and cool thing that the internet is being flooded with just sermons, right? And that at the same time will never replace the gathering of God's people. Like we are called to get into a room together to set our mind and set our face after one thing, the presence of God chase after Jesus, see how he wants to impact the community that we're living in, how he wants to bring the kingdom through, the, through, through us, through his church. And that is something that we have to get together. We got to see faces and we got to hold each other accountable. We got to press each other in. We got to keep going after this thing because it's the only thing that matters at the end, at the end of the day. First Corinthians 12, 26 and 27. If one member of the body suffers, so, so we are all part of the body of Christ, Every single one of us joined together, one team, one body, one unit. 
Every single person, like I said, in this room has gifts given by God that you are called to steward and to use for the church and for the kingdom in this world. And our body collectively together, if one member suffers, 1 Corinthians 12, 26 and 27, if one member of the body suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually we are members of it. What this means is that uh, somehow we're supposed to collectively suffer and rejoice together. And I would say that never is going to happen if we're not sitting down and spending time sharing our prayer requests, opening up our lives with people that we love, and, and, and praying and contending for one another. Uh, like, I can't suffer with someone who's suffering well until I've prayed with them. Do you, any of you else feel that way? Like sometimes when I step into a moment, I start praying for someone when I know they're hurting. That's the moment when I actually start to feel the suffering that they're in right now. And the same, same goes for rejoicing. I don't feel the win up to, until I've sat with somebody and I've prayed with them for that breakthrough, prayed with them for that win, and then they finally get to taste it and I get to rejoice with them because I've, I've sat in the, in the deepest valleys with them. 1 Thessalonians 5.11, so encourage each other and build each other up just as you are already doing. Again, I don't think we can do this without prayer. I can't, I can't encourage, I can give you maybe some good cultural advice. I can give you some good leadership tips out of that John Maxwell book I just read. But if I'm going to encourage you by the Spirit of God, for the Spirit of God, then I need to pray with you out loud, sitting down, sharing a cup of coffee at a dinner table. I need to pray with the people that I am encouraging. And if those references aren't enough to convince us that corporate prayer is an important thing, then we could always turn to Exodus, Psalms, and Revelation, where we would see that the prayers of the body of Christ, the prayers of the people of God, are an incense that is a sweet aroma, a sweet fragrance that is right now filling the throne room of heaven. And, and so what we know is that that fragrance is blessing God's heart, knowing that his people are sitting down there on earth and they, we are praying to him. And so even if you lay all of these things aside, even if you take all of the reasons to pray, all of the things that we see in corporate prayer, if you take it all out and you set it aside, isn't that reason alone enough that it blesses God's heart? And so we should just go, yeah, God, I just want to honor you. And so we're going to get together and we're going to pray and we're going to fill up heaven with the, that fragrance that you have designed. All of these things, all of these, I, I'm just like, man, are we a church that prays on Sunday morning or are we a church of prayers? There's a difference. There's a difference. And I hope that we will keep contending and hope it will keep aiming to be a church that prays. We're going to take a few minutes here and we're, we're going to spend some time, um, just like we did last week. Last week, we spent some time praying uh, as individuals, just going, God, I want to hear your voice. Will you speak something to me? And this week, what we're going to do is we're going to circle up and we're going to pray. And I know that can be intimidating. Like, I know that can be maybe a step that you maybe haven't even stepped over yet. I haven't prayed out loud with other believers. I don't do that often. I'm not really comfortable doing it. Uh, but let me just say, uh, we, were, we were meeting as a volunteer team, like all of the serve team that helps us out, which by the way, we, like, we could never pull off a Sunday service without all the volunteers that make this thing happen every single Sunday morning. Amen? So if you're on that serve team, I love you. Thank you. We honor you. Uh, we're in there praying 8.35 this morning before service starts. And I was like, hey, I'm going to make the church circle up and pray in small groups. So guess what I'm going to make y'all do? Circle up and pray in small groups. And so I, I walk over and I get in this small group of people and, and uh, Ruxton Zwickle, who's six, is sitting right here. And Ruxton Zwickle, as we're going around this circle, he just goes, I pray that the presence of God would come down and meet with his people today. I'm like, holy smokes, bro. If you can do it, we can all do it. <laughs> He's six. 
I mean, you call that childlike faith, right? But like, like, do I know it's a little scary? Yeah, I know it's a little scary. I, I don't know why the reason is that it's scary for you, but here's what I do know is that you can pray with other people. You can pray with other people. Because where we're going after this is we're going to talk about how we, how we take our prayer life and how we use it to impact the world that we're living in. And you're just, you're never going to have the courage or boldness to go start sharing your faith and praying for other people if you're not praying with other Christians. And so here's, here's what I'd like you to do. I'd like you to circle up. We're going to have about five minutes left by the time I get done explaining this. But I'd like for you to circle up with some people. And um, let me just say, put a couple rules on it real quick. Prayer warriors in the room. I love you. And I'm thankful for you. And this moment's not for you. I, I know there are some of you, I could, I could tell you that there is a 24-hour fast that we're, or 24-hour uh, prayer time that we're doing right now and you would sign up for the first six slots and it'd be like a no-brainer for you. Awesome. I love you. I'm grateful for you. Let this time be about other people exercising their muscle of prayer in this group setting. Okay? So maybe get it going. Maybe get some things started, but don't dominate. Nobody should dominate this time. Let the people around you pray. You, you never know if you're just taking all this time uh, to pray, if you're hindering somebody else from getting just over that very first hurdle to pray in front of somebody else for the very first time. You know what I'm saying? Uh, let me just say, if you're somebody who doesn't believe what we believe necessarily, you don't believe necessarily that prayer works. You're just kind of here. You're interested. You're dipping your toes in. Let me just say to you right now, I love that you're here. I love that you're here. And, and there, I don't want you to have any pressure in this moment to do something or try and act like someone that you're not. But you also, you also can't be weirded out with us that we're praying because you're the one that came to a church service on Sunday morning. <laughs> now we're going to pray. I also just want to encourage you, like if, you're, if you are a believer in the room and this is just too much for you, and then this moment you're just like, I don't know if I can do it. I've never done this before. Or I, I just don't want to. I don't have anything to say right now. Uh, there's no pressure to say anything right now. Again, I'm after the, I'm after the you 10 years from now, right? So, so I don't, I don't want to just manipulate some moment here but I do think if you can be courageous and step up and pray in a moment, it, it might just shift some things for, you, for future you, right? So I want to encourage you to pray. But, but more than that, if, if you're not comfortable enough praying in this moment right now, I think what you need to do is you probably need to reach back and go back to that individual time. You on your knees on your bedroom floor. You in your prayer closet. You sitting in your car by yourself. You early in the morning with a cup of coffee. Go back to that time and keep praying there. And one day it will translate into this moment right here. Um, if you don't know what to pray, so we're going to circle up and it's kind of like, well, what do we do? Um, here's how it start. Pray for the people around you. Just pray for the people around you. Don't necessarily take all the time to share prayer requests. Just start praying for the people around you. Um, maybe learn their names, introduce yourself real quick, and then just say, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray for you guys. Uh, maybe you can get done with that real quick. Maybe you want to pray for our church. Uh, your church and your church leaders, I'll just say this. We could always use your prayer. Always use your prayer. If you pray something just like, man, I just pray that they would keep hearing from the Lord because I get the sense that they don't know what to do otherwise. I would say, yep, amen. You could pray for the city that we're living in. Our city has things and places that are hurting, places that are dark. There's a huge homeless problem in our city that we're living in. There are kids that don't have homes. There are kids that go hungry uh, because they don't have the same access to school. There's foster care. There's adoption that needs to happen in the city that we're living in. There's things that break God's heart that are happening in our city right now. Pray for our city. Uh, you can go beyond that. You can pray for the nation. I, I think some of y'all know that America could use some prayers right now. So toss a couple of prayers up for America, right? Uh, you go beyond that. You can pray for the world. You start with our missionaries. 
where this church has been strategically placed around the world to continue to bring the gospel into the world that we're living in? Oh, the power flickered. The Lord's really in the room now. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Just kidding. Pray for the world. Pray for the world. The world's going through a lot of different things. A lot of different disasters that are just happening. Pray for those things, okay? So start, start with the concentric circle. Start in the middle with right in, what's right in front of you and then just keep moving yourself out, all right? So let's take five minutes and let's uh, circle up. Two, five, six people. I don't care. Get in a circle and pray. God, we just thank you so much for this time to come together as a church body and to pray. I ask God that you would, that you would continue to stir us up and fill us up with passion and zeal for you and for your house and for prayer. God, would you ignite uh, just a whole bunch of prayer warriors in this church? And it's not something we could just do with some teaching series, God. It's going to be the Spirit of God captivating us. And so I pray that we would turn to you and we would seek you in humility, seek you in reverence and adoration. And would you just captivate the attention in the heart of this church body that we would follow after you and uh, just see, see, what it, see what it is that you might do in the city that we're living in. Jesus, we love you and we need you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. 